Welcome to SECC. We pray that you are blessed today as you listen. Um, so most of us uh, have done this, um, those of you with a smartphone anyway, um, those of you without a smartphone, we need to catch up, but, um, but most of us have done this, where you turn your smartphone on, um, whatever it may be, I've got a really dodgy mate called Oppo, uh, which I think are probably just dodgy, but there we are, um, and so you go on to Instagram, or if you're above the age of you know, 19, Facebook, um, you know, if you're older, it's Facebook, isn't it, because the young people left that years ago, and they're all there, still tweeting about what we have for breakfast, and no one cares, um, but never mind. But everyone else is on other things. No one's on Twitter, by the way. Forget Twitter. A complete waste of time. Um, even I've worked that out. But you go on it, and you scroll up, and you see... On Facebook, if you're, you're probably from a family, maybe you're a bit older, and, uh, and if you've got a family, I should say, you, you scroll up on Facebook, and everybody's having a great time. All their kids are happy, well turned out. All have got firsts, even though they're only in year five. And they're all off to Cambridge, aren't they? They're all, all wonderful looking. They're all brilliant. They've all achieved the latest exam and certificate. And everyone's proud. It's lovely. But then you watch it and you think, oh, man, I'm rubbish as a parent. I've, terrible, I've run a terrible family. I've destroyed my children's lives. And I really wish I'd have a time machine. Go back and, st- sorry, and start again. <laughs> And hope to get it right, because I'm just a disaster as a parent and a human being. Then you go into Instagram, because you think, well, that's what the young people are, so maybe that's happier there. And you go there, oh, it's even worse. You scroll through that, and what do you see? All the muscles, the perfect body, the perfect hair, the wonderful makeup. I'm not so bothered by that. Um, you see all this, all the money. How much money everyone has on Instagram? All their houses are white and shiny. They've got massive posh cars, millions of followers, and they're the happiest they've ever been. And we watch that little phone. It becomes an addictive thing. We watch through this little window the lives of other people, and it makes us miserable. Because what your phone tells you is that everybody else is happier. Everybody else is healthier, fitter, prettier, stronger, having more fun than you ever could. Got better friends than you could ever hope for. You look at your own friends and think, rubbish, aren't you, really? (laughs) I don't do anything together. They're all out there blowing stuff up and in their cars. But never mind, we go to the white line occasionally, whatever. But, um, But we look at it through our little phones and we just think to ourselves... Everything about them is better than me. We compare ourselves to people on a daily basis. If you're older, what happens now is a little bit like a glorified version of the, of the holiday postcard that you receive from those friends that went off to America. Wish you were here. You no, know you don't. You like the fact that I'm not here, and you can gloat. I don't care that you're in Florida. Hmm. But anyway, sorry, I'm quite bitter. <laughs> but rather than, yeah, rather than now, a photo of the Algarve. Wish you were here. It's a photo of every facet of life. And all of it looks better than mine. And so you turn the phone off and you feel just rubbish. So what do we do? We try and copy. We try and keep up with the Joneses. Well, the Kardashians. Although I think that's out of fashion now, isn't it? Never mind. Um, And it doesn't work. And you rarely feel better. Or maybe you opt out completely. Stuff it. I'll go the other direction. And even then... That doesn't make you feel any better either. We've tracked the last two years the spread of a virus across our planet. But the real epidemic that we should be frightened of, actually, is that most people suffer with a deflating sense of self-worth. And I'm eternally grateful for being in my mid-ish 40s. Not yet. 27th of April, by the way, 44, just saying it once. Um, 
But actually, I'm pleased that I grew up in a time that when I shut my front door, I shut the world out. I'm so thankful that I'm old. <laughs> because actually, the only computer I had was a VIC-20, and you had a little skiing game, that went like that. that was it. But everything was shut out when I got home. Unless it was printed in smash hits or something, I didn't see it. It was not forced upon me, and I believe it's a, it was a better world. Do you feel worthless this morning? Is your sense of self diminishing by the day? Maybe it's like that because the people that should have cared for you when you were growing up didn't. Maybe the people that should have given you that bedrock of identity and uh, security did the very opposite. Maybe you had great dreams and then as you shared those with your friends and your nearest and dearest, they just took a pin and went boop and got rid of it. Or maybe simply, you had all the right raw materials for a happy life, but you spent so much time chasing the wrong thing that now you've realized what a waste of time it all was. And you think, what was the point? So what will you do next? Go to the gym, have a makeover, get some more money, give up. There are other options. We're doing our series called Words of Hope, going through the Psalms, and this is the last one. Next week, we're going to do a new series looking at the teachings of Jesus and how they might apply to us. So today is our final talk, and it's from Psalm 8. We've kind of gone in reverse order. I'm sure you've realized that. We started at Psalm 139 with Dave, and then we come all the way down to Psalm 8. So we've sort of gone descending order. It doesn't really matter, um, but we've kind of gone that direction. And this Psalm, Psalm 8, speaks directly into this abyss of insecurity that is devastating life upon life upon life. It doesn't address that insecurity with words of self-help, mindfulness, or well-being, not criticizing them, but it does it in a different way. It speaks into that abyss of deflating self-worth with powerful truth about where real value actually comes from, how you can get it, how you can increase it, and how you can begin to know who you really are. I'm not who Instagram tells you or Facebook or just the people you work with or whoever it might be that makes you feel bad about yourself. The title of this psalm is simply, How Majestic is Your Name? Not your name, but God's name. It's a song to God. These are all songs that people would have sung at the temple, poems put to music to sing to who God is, sing about enemies, about problems, about all the things that surround God's people, but singing them in praise and hope. But it's, not, it's about God, it's to God, but it's really about us and our value to him and our place in the created order. If you've never heard that expression before, that's because you live in a world that doesn't believe it was created. I believe God created the world. I believe out of nothing God created something. He called the universe into being. There was nothing, only God and God called all of it into being. That meant that he created every single one of you from scratch you're not random accident. You're not things crashing together, releasing energy, and there you are, pop, a billion years later. But actually what you are is a handiwork and the craftsmanship of a good God who loves you more than you will ever know. He stuck you together like Lego, one brick at a time, until he could stand back and say, wonderful, good, beautiful. He's the only one that can declare over you your true value. No one else ever will. This hymn enables the singer to celebrate their privileged place in all creation, in the created order. So let me read it to you. <clears throat> Psalm 8 says this, if you want to follow along. 
Uh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals in the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I think it's the most wonderful thing. So a couple of things about value this morning. The first one is, who gives value? Who can give value to a human being? Well, the short answer is obviously God. Uh, that's the short answer to most questions at church, by the way, God. Um, and the long answer for the record as well. But the answer in this psalm is, who can give you value? Your creator. God. No one else. And just like last week, the structure of this, um, this psalm is kind of like an arrow pointing us to the verses in the middle. You've got verse 1 and 2, which talks about God's name. Your name is majestic in all the earth. Verse 9 repeats that. Lord, your name is majestic in all the earth. And it's kind of like an arrow pointing us to those, first, those verses 3 to 8 in the middle. What is man that you're mindful of? Mankind that you're mindful of them, that you care for them. You made them a little lower than the angels. You gave them authority. You gave them a job. It's like the psalm saying, this is who God is, and, and if he sandwiches you and surrounds you, then actually this is who you are in him. But without him, then you could be anything, and nothing good, perhaps, all in the same way. Verse, uh, verse 1 and 2 and verse 9 elaborate who this God is. How majestic is your name in all the earth? His name is majestic everywhere. God's name is so powerful, God is so amazing, that there's not a corner of this planet where he's not in charge, where he's not God, where the creation isn't worshipping him and glorifying him. It says in verse 2, you set your glory in the heavens. This is a God of, of the whole world, and a God who is glorified above even heaven itself, and within that highest place. His glory is wide and high, and it repeats the same thing in verse 9. This is who God is, not just some small being, but the God of all things. And so then we're pointed then to those couple of verses in the middle. That God, that God is the only one able to give true value to the human being. Because he's the creator of us. Nothing more than that and nothing less than that. He is the one that built you and therefore is the only one even remotely able to give you a sense of value and worth. No one else can because no one else made you. Only God built you together in your mother's womb. God did that. And therefore, because of that, you have this inherent worth and value. It gets even more wonderful because the, in Hebrew, the name for God here is the word, the, the name used within the covenant of Israel in the Old Testament. So we know immediately that the God we're talking about in this psalm is a God of relationship, a God of friendship. And so the psalmist is telling us, if you want to know your true worth, you've got to be in a relationship with that God. And we know the only way to be in relationship with God is to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. So value comes from God alone comes through relationship with him and if that's a new concept we need to talk because it's not enough to accept there might be a God he calls you to turn from a life without him 
and follow him through his son and know him as your father in heaven. So the next question is, how do I increase that sense of value? Okay, so I've accepted God. I've become a Christian. Happy days. Do I just sit back and let God do it all? No. There's a couple of things you have to do. And this is where we get to this little bit in the middle, verses 3 to 8. Verses 3 and 4, first of all, we'll start there. When I consider the works, so when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. If you want to increase your sense of value and worth, what this guy is saying in this song is that actually you start thinking of what God has done, comprehending creation. It's no great surprise that when you go for a walk through a forest or climb a mountain, you begin to feel very small. You say, wow, there must be a God. This is huge. This is big. It's enormous. He's saying, comprehend what God has done, this creator God. But don't just stop there. And then be in awe that that God that made that mountain and that universe and that sun and that ocean is mindful of you. He's thinking about you. But more than that, he cares about you. Isn't that the most amazing thing ever? To know not just that God's aware of you, but that God is actively thinking about you. When you wake up in the morning, God has already been thinking about you. When you go to bed at night, God has already been concerned about you and caring for you and wanting the very best for you, according to him, not according to you. Do you want to know one of the most uh, pivotal moments in my life? I was, it's a long time ago, I forget now, um, 14, 15 maybe. I've been going to a youth club, a little, uh, very small little gathering of sort of kids um, placed in Chapel Heath. And, uh, and we were there, and they were having a bit of a worship time, and I was standing there. And like most young people, I was feeling genuinely quite rubbish about myself. I was convinced that God hated me, uh, that I'd sinned too many times that week, and I'd reached my quota, and God was done with me, and that sort of thing. We were standing there, and everyone else seemed quite happy. And this guy called Nick, Nick and Val, was around their house, and he walked up to me, and, and, he, sorry, and he walked up to me, and he said to me, I just feel... That God wants me to tell you that he's happy with you. I thought, what a strange choice of words. But I didn't doubt that God loved me. How can I doubt that when he sent his son to be nailed to a cross in Jerusalem so I could live forever? But to know that God was happy with me, actually it was quite wonderful. And I left that meeting thinking, thank you Lord. Because I'm so often not happy with myself. Um, and I'm sure you feel the same. But to say, God wants me to tell you he's happy with you. I just thought it was, was wonderful. If you want to increase your sense of value, you've got to marvel not just at what God does, but that that God, that big God, is thinking about you. And then just think, wow. The second thing, verses 5 to 8. We've got to work, I'm afraid. <laughs> you have made them, this is humanity, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands, and you put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, and all that swim in the paths of the sea. We've been linked back to Genesis. If you've never read the book of Genesis, you'll read how God made the world, and it was perfect, and it was good, and then it, wasn't, it was incomplete, and he made Adam and Eve, our forefathers, if you like, or our parents from before. He gave them a job to look after his world, represent him, to look after his creation and care for it, to be like him in his place for the world. 
And so God is saying, if you want to have that sense of value, you need to do the things God calls you to do. We waste so much of our time as human beings working for the wrong stuff. The world says, if you go down that path, you'll be really happy. So we slog our guts out, and we never are. But God says, if you find out my will for you, then you can be truly content. So verses 5 to 8 really is basically telling us, if you want to have that increased sense of value, you need to find out what God's will for your life is and do it. and Give yourself to it. When God called me into ministry um, a long time ago as well, when I was 21, we went off to Bangladesh for those first two years, and that's the beginning of this long journey. I never knew what would, what would come and how it would be, how it would unfold. And there were tough times and there were good times. But I feel fulfilled because I know I'm following the will of God for my life. And my, God's will for me is different what God's will for you may be. But if you find out what God's calling on your life is, there'll be a real sense of value because you know you'll work for food that doesn't spoil, as Jesus says. So what next? Well, let me say this to you. Stop chasing. Stop chasing after an insta-worthy life. That's right, new phrase I heard this week. No idea what it means. But stop chasing after an Instagram-worthy life. Stop chasing the treasures at the end of the rainbow that you know aren't there. But we all know aren't there as well. Stop copying other people. They're as unhappy as you are. Instead, do this. Start knowing God better. The one that built you from the ground up. Start marveling at his creation. And then marveling that he knows your name and he's counted every hair on your head. And then stop working for stuff that's not worth working for. Start asking God, what's your will for my life? I'm going to do that instead. And I guarantee you, you'll feel far more fulfilled than you ever have done before. But there's one more thing I want to say and then I'll stop. I've glossed over verse (laughs) 2. You may have realized that. You probably didn't, but I did. Verse 2 seems really out of place. It seems really odd. It doesn't fit with my neat little arrow, does it? You've got uh, the verse, you're majestic in all the earth, majestic in all the earth. What's mankind or humankind? You're mindful of them. And then verse 2 says this. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Not very heavy. And then it sort of changes track again. It's a very odd phrase. But you know what I think it's saying? I think this psalm is addressing Israel. Before Jesus, it was the people of God, Israel, the Israelites. They were a tiny little nation who formed themselves in the promised land. And they were surrounded by giant nations who were stronger, more mighty, aggressive, who wanted to get rid of them, who hated them, who wanted to push them out the way, attack them, tread them down. But God put them right in the middle of it. They had so much to fear from these aggressors who surrounded their life. But when they followed the will of God... They had no fear. And I think what verse 2 is saying is simply this. That when you're in a relationship with God, there is nothing to be scared of. That phrase, babies or infants, is referring to Israel. As in, they're so tiny. And yet, once they knew their true worth in God, they did not fear those who were bigger or stronger than them. In fact, they would go on to defeat them again and again and again. So let me end and then I'll stop. This morning, what enemy are you frightened of? What enemy are you trying to avoid? Maybe that's why your sense of self-worth is deflated. Is it an addiction? Is it a fear? Is it a person? Today is the day 
to get more of God in your life and stare that monster down. Let's pray. Just like every week, let's just spend a moment, just think of all the things that have been said. Think of what Psalm 8 is saying, what might it apply to in your life. Maybe it's the bit just that I've just said. Maybe you've been chasing the wrong thing. Maybe you've been hurt in the past and someone robbed you of that firm foundation. Just think of what God might be speaking to you. Do this at home as well, please. Don't be frightened of the strength of feeling either. We sometimes run from strong emotions. We say, Lord, it hurts too much. I don't want to go there. But maybe you should go there. Maybe you should be vulnerable in front of God and just say, Lord, this is what's wrong. This is what hurts. This is how I feel. And I'll tell you, God is happy with you. God loves you. Just think of that thing that's touched your heart this morning. I just want to pray for healing. It might be physical, it might be emotional, it might be relational, spiritual. So let me pray. Father God, I pray for everybody in this room, all those watching from home or watching later. Father, you know the brokenness that we carry this morning. Lord, you know uh, what makes us feel worthless. It may just simply be that we live in a world that, Lord, still promotes certain lifestyles or looks or um, the ways to behave, Lord, as, as the pinnacle. And Father God, we know we can never get there and we don't even want to get there. But Father God, we feel that if we're not even close to it, we're rubbish. And so I pray for those people, Lord, who are comparing themselves to a false, a false lie, Lord, shown on social media. Release them from it, I beg you. Release them, Lord, from that addiction of scrolling up and up and up and up and up. Seeing all that money, all those muscles, all that apparent beauty. And may those people know, Lord, that they are beautiful in you. That, Lord, you love them and they are worthy and worth so much to you. That when you look at them, you see a beautiful child. And, Lord, you just want to dust them off and bring them home. And, Father, for those who have just chased the wrong thing for so many years and now wondering what the point of it all was. Lord, reveal your will to them, I beg you, this morning. May they know, Lord, the call of God on their life. It may be so small to the rest of us, but, Lord, it will be mighty for them. Father God, give us ears to hear. And, Lord, I just want to pray for your blessing upon all of us. All of us, Lord, will know how much we mean to you, that we will stop chasing the things of this world and start chasing after you. Father God, I lift all this to you now. I ask it in Jesus' name.